shining a beacon on the bazaar. Coming, Arky. Good seeing you again. Ah, yes. Back on crack and cough. But no, I've been on my holidays. You have, haven't you? And yeah. You're back in the old cough. Oh, it's been lovely. It's been a lovely Wales. You see, next, next couple of years, can I go on holiday? It seems like you're going an awful lot, and I don't end up coming off the island at all. Well, I've been away, right, what, sort of three times this year, and you've been away twice in the last ten years. Yeah, so, true, you know, yeah. I, suppose, I think it adds up, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I want to get a little jitty going or something here. I don't know, getting your pants down or something. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go? Where did you go? Well, I've been, I've been to Wales. Nice. Uh, but uh, the place I went to, which was most interesting, I went to Port Merion. Do 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 do. So for those who don't know what that little weird noise Ben was doing there, at the Port Merion was in an Italianate village oh, where the uh, where this, the, the incredibly weird surreal cult series The Prisoner was oh, filmed. Man, it's such a good. Remember how old were you? I was about fifteen. You were about eighteen or something. Yeah. We did a repeat on Channel Four, didn't it? On a just watched them all on a Wednesday. Wait, Wednesday, on it. We yeah. used to drink Yuki Brown. <laughs> yeah, we, we loved it, didn't we? <laughs> Didn't crack the Newcastle Brown until the prison of music started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did he class it as? Italian or something? Italian it. Right, yeah, that, that's like the, the style that's of it. That's the style of it, yeah. It was uh, It was eventually sort of like an architect took it over called Clough William Ellis. Mm. And it was his, like, his little sort of, um, like a folly really, you know what I mean? And he built it all up. Yeah. And it was just a tiny little village to start with, just an ordinary little fishing village. But what he's done is sort of kind of built all these little houses and sort of like um, towers and art, you know. And it's arches. beautiful. It's so, like you said before, it's surreal in it. Every kind of corner, little weird statues and balconies and yeah, the green dome alone and the chest. I love the chestboard. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> everything. But the weird thing is when you're in amongst it, or when you see it on TV or you see footage of it, it looks really big and yeah. sweeping and that. Everything's tiny. Is it? It's yeah. almost like everything's like. Probably, I'd even go as far as to say half size of what it should be, maybe two thirds the size of what everything it? should be. Yeah. So, like, you like little doorways are narrow and like things that look grandiose from a distance, you get close to them, they're just little. Ah, and, and right, yeah. so mean, it's like a folly in a way. Isn't yeah, it? well, it yeah, is yeah, because it's like it, nearly fake. Isn't it? if, if you go through the woods, the, the woods yeah. are actually one of the weirdest part of uh, Port Merion. There's these lovely sort of tree walks, there's trees from all over the world there. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> lost of life. Yeah, so yeah. you come around a corner, there's like a giant redwood or something there. Wow. And then there's, there's trees from like sort of Japan, China, India, all over the place right. growing up. But then they have all these different gardens. Yeah. So they have like different sections for different things. Like they have a Japanese area, you know, I mean, a Chinese area. Then they'll have another area which is, um, you go up the hill a bit more and there'd be like this lovely sort of pond. But they'll have like a little, like a little um, folly on a corner, like a little sort of like a hut sort of thing or yeah. a or a, a bandstand by the <laughs> But you go up to it and it's all just made of like raw iron and it's a bit rusty and weird. Yeah. Oh, there's a dog graveyard there. Wow, what, you can just bring your own or? <laughs> but one well, thing, so I think you can like book a slot and have yeah. your dog buried at there. But buried Ooh, that there. sounds a bit haunted, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's a bit. Well, weirdly enough, there is a, a ghost garden there. Wow. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, sort of like lift the magician's cloth on Port Merion for everyone there. Yeah. If you go to Port Merion, don't go find the ghost garden. Uh -huh. 
because there's not a note there. It's, I think it was a garden that just left his rot sort of thing. And it's, it's like about a mile away from everywhere else. Uh, and you have right. to go through like hot woods and stuff like that and through swampiness and insects and all sorts of things. So you get that, it's just someone's like thought, what could we call that rubbish tin? Yeah, that is kind of that, you know. But, but basically, it's, it's, uh, it's a Potmerian. I'd recommend it. Highly I, I want to yeah. go one time just for a prison and just have that. Did he have that feeling? Did he kind of like moodily kind of shout, I am not a number, I'm a free man? No, there's too many tourists about. Yeah. Anybody dressed up? No. Oh, not no, one. Not one. I'll be good. I should have dressed up, really. But, yeah. uh, but no, no, nobody dressed up. But um, there was the theme of it there. There's the, yeah. the number six gift shop. It's actually in his house. <gasps> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, so you went in his house? I've been in his house, oh, yeah. That's it. But the house. That is on the series, TV series. It looks all sort of. Fun. It's just one room. Is it? So yeah. they obviously film him going into the house. Then they show it's on a film set somewhere uh, else. Totally, you know. Uh, so yeah. it's as usual with everything to do with Pop Mary and it's all smoke and mirrors. Oh man! Yeah, no, it's still it's still a look, fantastic looking place. Is that ship there? Yeah, that ship. Is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, really, that's really small as well. Is like, it? Yeah, you have to bend to get into it. It's yeah, only about yeah. sort of five and a half feet high to get inside it. Wow. What about the beach? You have a little runabout? Uh, we, no, we didn't have a runabout. But the tide was in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> By the time we were in to leave, it had gone out and yeah. it was massive. It is yeah, that same, yeah, it just does. big sandbanks. That, that beach looked beautiful. Yeah. I love him running about on that beach. So I'm, I'm recommending now a visit for anyone to go to Port Merion because it's a wonderful place. It's a great. You'd only go once, I think. You won't yeah. go loads and loads of times. You probably yeah. only go once. But once... can you stay in it? Yes. Wow. There's a hotel down near the the um, near the boat the, yeah, near the yeah. ship. There's there. But there's also a couple of the houses within the village yeah. are actually guest houses that you can hire. So oh, I'd go full hog if I went. I think I'd have to say. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think that's the way to do it. But, but you see, no, I'm back here. I'm back at Crack and Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar. And I'm Matt. And I'm a hungry Benny. I need some facts. I need some bizarreness. <laughs> I've, been, I've been here all alone, keeping it all cranked up and shiny. Well, so I'm just going to give people a bit of an update of who we are and what we're doing, you see, that, uh, for, for any new listeners. We're the, uh, we're the keepers of Crack and Cove Lighthouse. And we got banished here years ago, you see, because we got caught nicking sweets from Four Boys News Agents near us. And... <laughs> And so now we have to sort of come back here and we have to look after the lighthouse. Ah, pedants from yeah. all the four boys, Mr. Four Boys. Yeah, Terry Four Boys. <laughs> <laughs> so what we do now is when we get a bit bored, we don't just cast the light out to sort of uh, save the ships and things. Mm. We cast the light out inland sometimes to see if we can highlight some strange facts and some strange news. Sometimes we, we, we shine the light down into the sea to see what weird beasties we can see. And sometimes we shine the light up into the sky to get some mm. some of Benny's favourite oh, space news. Yeah. <laughs> Spacey news. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do now. Now I'm back at Crack and Cove. I'm going to dust off the light. I'm going to get it shining and we're going to see what we can see. That sounds lovely, does that, Arcade? Lovely. <laughs> Here's a weird little bit of news. We're going to shine the light upwards straight to space. Oh, to hey. yeah, oh is, you know, because this is a bit. Of, do you know what, who Werner, uh, Werner von Braun was? No, oh, Werner von Braun is it? Braun. Yeah. No, I don't. Well, he's a weird, complicated character, and sort of like in history, he is because basically he. He ran the Nazi rocket program. All oh, right, yeah. So, is it paperclip? That's it. Is yeah, yeah. So, what? So, so, for people who don't know, what it is is a Werner von Braun. He won, he ran the uh, the Nazi rocket V two rocket program yeah. to send um, uh, these rockets from Germany 
um, straight across the ocean and all across the land to actually land in, in the UK yeah. during World War Two. And it's mega controversial because the massive factories they needed, big underground factories as well, yeah. the factories were dug out and then manned by uh, by uh, Jewish prisoners of war. Was it? Yeah, so he did use that. Jewish prisoners of war and many, proper many... Proper slave labour. Proper type. slave labour. So thousands of people yeah. died in these projects to build these massive rocket factories. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like Werner von Braun wasn't that fussed. He yeah. just sort of like he was he was just sort of like what well, whatever it takes to get my rockets into space or into because his dream eventually was to get rocket into space. That's yeah. what he was pushing towards. But while the thing that kind of funded him was the, the V two rocket program. He could keep practicing gunny on London. Yeah, that's <laughs> it you see. So, I mean, but the man was <clears throat> there's no two ways about it. The man was an incredible genius, yeah, yeah. and his his abilities to work with rockets is just mental. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of the author, but there's a book called The Rocket Boys, and it's a true story about a kid who is obsessed with rockets and how he's determined to design his own rockets and, right, and take cool. them off. And he does so. He makes his own rockets, but he gets help from his American kid. So he, he gets help by by contacting Werner von Braun, you know. Wow. And he writes back and he gives him tips and hints <laughs> and all sorts, you know. And he helps him build rockets. And I think that that's the thing about the man. He was he, he was incredibly complex because what yeah. happened at the end of World War Two, there was a massive drive to get the science and the knowledge that the Nazis had because they, they knew full well did the of the the Allies. They knew that. The Germans had hold of some incredible technology yeah. that we wanted to get our hands on. So the scientists were kind of given a bit of a free pass. They're all well, they were a mad scramble, wasn't it? You know, like Russia and America. Yeah, I don't know if England got any hope. But yeah, we did. It, it, it was yeah. There was, there was there was cases where we did. Everybody sort of managed to divvy up the scientists. Just sort of give a shit to the scientists. <laughs> they were like, give me a lab, give me. Well, a well I think as well a, a lot. Of, but that's basically what it was. Uh, it's also cases. That, you know, you're either. You've got, a cho- you've got two choices. You can face the Nuremberg trials, where yeah. there's a good chance you'll get uh, sentenced <laughs> to death. Shot in your eye. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get sentenced to death. Or you can help us, which our, the, the, the sort of like the Western. I choose the lab. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, yeah, and as you quite rightly say, it was Operation Paperclip, which actually yeah. took these people back across to America, so in England and places like that, to work on their space races, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he was a bit of a fanciful character, was Werner von Braun as well, and he he actually wrote a, uh, a fiction book, <laughs> pornographic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like an all sort of science fiction book, right? It was it, it was published in Germany under the name Das Mars Project, right? And um, the book what the talk about is called Project Mars: A Technical Tale that he wrote. Oh, right. Now, a few of the scientists actually did this at the time. There was sort of almost like Trekkies before Star Trek was about, <laughs> yeah. and because they didn't. It wasn't actual sort of technically correct science fiction. It was all a bit dreamy and fanciful. They actually decided to write some of these guys wow. the book that they kind of wanted to read, yeah, which was a yeah. technically correct science fiction novel. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but I've I've read a couple of these before. Fred Hoyle wrote one. It was called The Black Cloud, and he's hard going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. test tubes. Yeah, I think so. They're, they're, they're not they're not great reads sometimes. Yeah. These because they're a bit go a bit too deep. But the great dream was a spoiler. That's they? it, you yeah. see. And so, but what happened was Werner von Braun, his book Project Mars, a technical tale, right? He actually imagined like life on Mars, getting up there, a techni- you know, like having like a, a bases on Mars, oh, right? Yeah. And he imagined sort of like a hierarchy and a leadership thing on there, you know what I mean? And the leader of the leader of Mars was to be called in his book 
Elon. Oh, fuck's <laughs> sake. Oh, Christ. I hate coincidences. I don't know, that's it. But it seems that Musk has actually found this out, right? Because he's tweeted on the 30th of December, he quoted it from Young Frankenstein, as a, a phrase, destiny, destiny, no escaping that for me. Right. Oh, so he's just taking these like lines from Frankenstein and the German <laughs> V2 rocket scientist <laughs> and bragging. <laughs> what? I think. I, I think. Yeah. I. Th- I think this oh, because I mean. That's evil, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's evil. It is just too weird, isn't it? It's mm. the fact. So the fact is, but rather than actually being the name of the guy the way they're going to have it was the Martian government was directed by ten men the leader of whom was elected by universal suffrage for five years and entitled Elon two houses of parliament enacted the laws to be administered by the Elon and his cabinet right and somebody actually tweeted him to tell him this Elon Musk and when he when he learned the news he basically changed his Twitter profile calling himself the Imperator of Mars, oh. which is kind of like Emperor of Mars. <laughs> oh no, that ain't even funny, isn't that? It's not funny, I don't like it's it. It's so weird, because you know what I'm thinking, let's face it now, we've had three billionaires take to space, haven't we? Yeah. We've had, we've had uh, Musk, we've had um, Bezos, and we've had... Um, Branson nearly get there. <laughs> yeah, nearly, he didn't work there. 5k shot. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I've got a theory, is that none of them have come back. <laughs> wow! I think they're already on the way to Mars or something. Wow, that's cool. There could be stuff there waiting for them already, and they're like, "Yeah, Emperor's yeah. coming." Well, through. that's the thing. All that stuff that's been going up there, you know, it's had yeah. to go somewhere. It hasn't all come back down to Earth, has it? God, it could have started already. I think. I think they started already. Well, they can stay it. up there for me, old musky, old yeah. musky pants. <laughs> They're all on the way to Mars, all billionaires on one oh. sort of special mothership now. Oh, that's it, just when this is imploding, this bloody world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but just think, though, if the three of them had actually been sensible enough to get together and mm. used, like, the technology, to, rather than doing their own separate ones, yeah. just think what they could have achieved by now, mm. rather than three different space races going on. Yeah. But they're never like that, are they? I suppose they need a little bit of smoke up their asses yeah. uh, for competition-wise, doesn't it? It does give, a, you know, final pushes to stuff. But the only one that uh, I approve of that uh, was Jeff Bezos. He's taken Wally Funk into space, hasn't he? I know. We were laughing about that name <laughs> down at Rock. Someone had a pair. He said, "Guess what his name is?" Like Wally. Wally Funk. He's <laughs> a woman. Wally Funk is a woman. Whoa! Because we were looking at him thinking he didn't look quite right. You know what I mean? He just had to look a bit. <laughs> he did look quite. Right. <laughs> no, a bit pedo-y, You know what I mean? <laughs> is that a woman? Yeah. Well, what it was is the. Um, during the space race, when they were training all the astronauts, yeah. right, getting the um, ready people to go, <laughs> there was a separately funded, uh, privately funded um, a mission at the same time that put thirteen women through the same rigorous training as the as the, as the other astronauts, oh, right? right. Yeah, yeah. And so, and they were determined to sort of push even further and say, "Look, let's have one of the women go up and land on, Whoa, on the moon, that's, right?" Yeah, yeah. And that woman would have been Wally Funk. Wow. Right, so she was part of that thing, and in her tests, she beat ninety-five percent of the astro of the male astronauts. Right, right. so she was absolutely perfect astronaut. So she was ready to like go to space. Woman, yeah, right. she was ready to go to space as Wally Funk. Um, but then I don't know whether it was just the um, the funding was pulled or something happened. But basically, her chance. It, it, it's a shitty name. That's what it is. <laughs> it's too oh, much explaining, isn't it? That funk on the moon. It, it is. It's too good. <laughs> you might look like a dude. Honestly, 
woman with a dude's name. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know much about her. I mean, I'm not wanting to speculate on anything about her because it doesn't matter one way or another about yeah. her, what she, with her particular orientation. If <laughs> <laughs> she's called bloke's name and she looks like a bloke, then you know you know a little bit. It's fair news to it. It's confusing. That's all I'm saying. It's like yeah. <laughs> so he's a bit. So as a result of that, because she never got to go to space, yeah. she was there. She was 81 years old. Wow. And she's finally been into space. Gosh, she she was looking all right for 81, really. I thought about more early 70s. But yeah. yeah and they got her up in space, that's it. Yeah, it's cool. And she loved it. Yeah. It probably was amazing. They so. did get weightlessness at one point, yeah. didn't they? I mean, to be yeah. fair, Elon's been to space now. He has yeah. been to space. He did it right. Even if his, his uh, rocket ship did look like a massive cock. With <laughs> <laughs> a big bell end on it. Like, <laughs> oh, you don't have to paint it purple, did it? <laughs> Put veins on <laughs> <laughs> throbbed <laughs> but yeah so like I say so the Elon wants to get to space because he wants to be the emperor Wally Funk wants to get to space because she's earned the bloody right to yeah, go to space very true. You know? yeah. Branson though uh, Something about, about Branson is about uh, kind of a bit shifty. You know, like a bald, ratty kind of. He's yeah. an horrible character, isn't he? I yeah. don't like him. I think he's got the. I think he's got some dark secrets. I wouldn't like yeah. to speculate what they are, but he's yeah. got. Like, he's you like, walk up on his island, he'd be trying to swim off. <laughs> he would, like, wouldn't he? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what we should do is overlook the mad blokes, the billionaires, and just raise a glass to Wally Funk because yeah, she's been yeah, in space. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, time with there. That's really good for that chapter bringer, though. Yeah, yeah very I true think so. That. Yeah, so yeah. fair play, Wally Funk. Well done. Well, so far there's three different ways to get to space we've discovered, haven't we, with the with the billionaires' rocket mm, ships and yeah. stuff like that. You know, that's that's how you're gonna have to go to space for the, the immediate future. You know, but to get yourself around sort of locally, you know, on the ground, it's like even like Kraken Cove. You need to sort of like um, you need to know the colloquial names for everything, don't you? I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, for example, say for example, right, if there's a particular road locally that's got a particular name. Like, yeah. It's like, for example, up to woods, going up to the woods there, you know, I mean, there's the old Roman road, but it's, yeah. it's not called the Roman road, yeah, it'll have a little path yeah. name, it'll have a little, you know. But Ogden what? Survey. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. some sort of thing for that, you know, and it's like, for example, Bluebell Woods is actually called Hunger Hills, yeah, sort yeah. of thing, uh, woods. They've all, they've all got different names, colloquially, meaning locally sort of thing, they've got their own little names being right, given by the yeah, locals. Yeah. So, but the problem we've got is, um, like for coastal rescue and bears, like things like this, right? So, if, if somebody turns around and says, "Oh, there's somebody drowning off so and so," right? Yeah. And they go, "Oh, well, what bear's that?" And they said, "Oh, it's oh, it's in, oh, somebody's in trouble in Bluebell Woods." Say, yeah. they go, "Where's that?" And I go, "I don't know. It's just Bluebell Woods, isn't it?" So yeah. they've not been able to find where these these locally named places yeah, are. Setting them back like you know minutes matter, don't they? That's it's it. Like minutes matter. That's it. You know, so they're gonna they're gonna do it now. The Ordnance Survey is releasing a mapping tool which assigns local nicknames to coastal areas to make it easy for, for people to find help, right? Wow, all right, cool. But the best thing is some of these names, right? <laughs> so there's one of these bay, but this place is called Stinky Bay, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the locals are giving it that. Yeah, Stinky, Stinky bay. bay. Crazy Mary's Hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And Nuncle Dicks. 
That's the they've all got a story there, haven't they? They've all got a story there. That's absolutely true, is that? You know, they've all got bits. So they're gonna they're gonna put these on the, this particular app, or it's a map. I think it's a map and an app. I'm thinking really, you know. And apparently, what they're gonna do, they overlay the official names. That's the way it's gonna work, you know. But I mean, I think I think that's a good idea, but. I'd like to know how Crazy Mary's Hole got called. Yeah. <laughs> What's Crazy Mary's Hole? I mean. Mm, but even if you take away the smutty side of things, right, there must yeah. have been then. There must have been somebody called Crazy Mary who and lived. She had a hole, you know what I mean? Or lived in like a cave or something there, yeah. you know? And Ooh, what a thought. You have to pass by it and like, swinging cats around. Yeah, <laughs> you you back be, off, yeah, yeah. Mary. We're oh. trying to get two shops. What about Nuncle Dicks? That's the one for you, innit? You know? I can't take the smut out of that one. <laughs> no, you can't. No, I'd be, be gutted if you did. <laughs> but the, about 7,500 colloquial coastal place names are initially be included on the mapping tool. Yeah, but what I can't figure is. is why aren't they called that anyway? Because if everyone calls it that, who's yeah. going around and giving it another name? Yeah, they could should have had them in brackets already, shouldn't they? Yeah, because you know I mean? that's what it's called. People know it as that. Yeah, yeah. So it was some sort of rich millionaire come toddling along and decided, <laughs> oh, no, no, we're not going to call that anymore. We're not going to call it Crazy Mary's Hole. We're going to call it Cardigan Bay. Because <laughs> you, you're called Jeff Cardigan. That's why, you know what I mean? I think that's what it is. They probably named it after themselves, aren't they? Yeah, could have done. And so what I like more on all that, though, is, that, is it that app, like, is it My Three Words or something? Oh, that, yeah. That kind of gets you down to a square foot, like the old yeah. world, and it's got three random names. I swear, going on that is one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> it's the places around you. There's one up at the cemetery uh, near Kraken, and I can't remember the name of it. I'll get it back for you. But you know, when you look at it, it's, it's you know, in, like depressed sofa. You know, like, <laughs> depressed sofa workshops. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? It's so random the poetry. Think, yeah, through, that's it. Maybe yeah. maybe that's a thing. It's a little poem. Maybe the, what they could do, they can just generate poetry from that. Yeah, you know, that's like David, poetry yeah. of the future, isn't it? Because David Bowie used to do things, didn't he? Where he used to tear yeah. words up. You need to have words all in the thing, and it's like a random uh, inspiration generator, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, Brian Eno still does it. That does it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's why he doesn't have any lyrics in his songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what he just bang piece of paper. Just <laughs> thinking the shit of these carrying. Can't write. <laughs> Never get that one. I love Brian Eno. I'm a big, big fan yeah, of Brian Eno. No, you know. So, yeah. but that's, that's. But yes, yeah, um, maybe that's what they could do. Maybe we just if we need inspiration for writing. What we'll do is go through my three words yeah. and find out that. And go for find a walk out, and stop. Yeah, and the three words are stinky Mary's hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you find yourself there, <laughs> go on then, Mary. <laughs> Well, we do quite like the idea of people sort of getting the just desserts here on Crack and Curve, don't we? We like yes. it, we like it. For example, if... Um, uh, like gender reveals and things like this. We like always things like that's ending tragedy because people being sold their own ass. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favourites. <laughs> so something's happened, you see, in Jaipur, right? So during a storm, all these people went to the top of this the 12th century Amer Fort, a tower on top of there, right? right. To take loads of selfies, right? 
um, while the lightning's striking and stuff oh like that. Right. Anyway, the inevitable's happened. <laughs> lightning has struck the tower, right? <laughs> Killing 16 people who were taking wow, selfies. Wow, you're joking. No. I'd love to see that footage, wouldn't you? Yeah. They were taking pictures, right? They were taking selfies in the rain on top of a watchtower, right? And when it was suddenly got hit by lightning. God. And lightning kills some 2,000 Indians on average every year. So this is in Jaipur, India. So yeah. it's like, you know, but it's happening 2,000 a year gets killed, right? Now, the, the issue I have here is, right, everybody's got mobile phones. They're all taking more things with selfies, right? So it's not a question of education. Everybody knows lightning's really, really dangerous, yeah, yeah. right? What were these silly fuckers doing up that bloody tower? I told you, it's nowadays. Everybody's just like, oh, it won't be me. I'll be fine. Look, there's another 15 people here doing the same. It's I just think like, you're right. You know, that kind of weird protection that people seem to have rather than that, like, no, <laughs> yeah, you do something daft, it's gonna happen. Maybe serve one person, yeah, yeah, that's true. Is that I mean, we were over at, um, again, a, a fellow lighthouse of ours, right? Oh, over, yeah. over at Flamberhead Lighthouse, yeah, and there's loads of cliffs and sort of like stuff which are, 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 are kind of eroding around. See, the I'm eroding, I won't go anywhere near them cliffs. Well, we've seen this mad Eastern European guy, right? Russian, oh, I think no. he was a Russian guy, maybe to be honest. <laughs> And you, you can tell you're the Russian guy because he's got your know, stonewashed jeans and such yeah. really, really like bright red trainers <laughs> yeah. and he's smoking fags constantly. <laughs> <laughs> looks, looks like he'd kill you as soon as look yeah, at you. And he's got a really hot girlfriend. <laughs> you just don't know what's going on there. And she's there in her little heels clicky-clocking around, right? Uh-huh. And they're going to these little peaks and going on to the cliff edges and they're climbing on all the cliffs oh, and stuff. Geez, and you can see bits yes. of rock coming away also. And they're taking selfies oh. and going the peace sign and all sorts. And it, oh, it were... And even, you could see Coast Guard, Coast Guard rocked up oh and we're watching them. They're just thinking, oh my God, just They wait. didn't even shout at them just yeah, because they yeah. lose their footy. It was kind of like that. Oh, but, God. Because people just think, oh, well, there's a path there, so I'll take it. It's like, yeah. no, no, yeah, don't do look. that. The selfie generation, though, the, the, there's been so many deaths because of that. No, that's it. It's just ridiculous, mm. you know. So, so apparently 27 people were on the tower and the wall of the fort when the incident happened and some reportedly jumped to the ground they had to sort of flee off this fort and stuff like that because it'd been struck and well, like jumped to their death yeah. or Sunday alone saw nine more deaths from lightning strikes reported across Rajasthan state where Jaipur is located so in, in a couple of days there's 25 people being killed oh with lightning god why, why is, it, is it really flat in here or something what's or they just get loads more storms than everybody else? I think the, probably the storms, the storms they have um, are probably a little bit more violent than we'd get, perhaps. You know, it's what more I mean? like flat ground. And I think, know? I think with the, with the heat, I think you get the heat and yeah, get a build yeah. of sort of tension, electricity, and stuff like that. And I think it breaks in a massive sort of storm. And they do have like a, it's almost, I don't know, if it's the same thing a monsoon season. I don't, yeah. I don't know, but they have that, the, you know, the stormy season, yeah, there. and that true. will be full of like rain, yeah. floods, storm, lightning, all that sort of malarkey, yeah. you know. And at least 41 people, mostly women and children, were reportedly killed in Uttar Pradesh state. And the highest toll of 14 was recorded in the city of Alalabad, also known as Prayagraj. So in a right. city a lord went as well. Yeah, yeah. This is it. There's two blokes were taking shelter under a tree, the big, big no-no, right? Mm. And when it got struck, uh, um, and this was in Firozabad city, right? Never even heard of that place, right. but you know. It, so they're hiding under a tree from the storm, and that's what's attracting to it. Oh, you, yeah. you don't do that. I've heard the other day that you, you shouldn't lie down, you shouldn't go to a tree, you should collect like, squat on your heels and become a ball. Well, weird yeah. enough, that's what we've got some what to do when lightning strikes. It's a seek shelter inside a large building or a car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cars are good because they, um, 
cars create what's called a Faraday cage, yeah. where it's just like a metal box, but it's insulated by the rubber wheels, yeah, yeah. so that lightning can strike a car and you, you'd be all right. Yeah. So that's why, because there's nothing to worth it. Uh -huh. He also said, get away from wide open spaces and away from exposed hilltops. And if you have nowhere to shelter, make yourself as small a target as possible by crouching down with your feet together, hands on your knees, and head tucked in. Uh, but you, you won't, if there's a storm going on, though, you'd feel it silly doing that, wouldn't you? But I suppose it's better Fucking than being... I'd be shiting if it were popping around me. And yeah. that, you know what I mean? I'd do all. And it says, do not shelter beneath tall or isolated trees. And if you're on water, get to shore and off wide open beaches as quickly as possible. So I suppose if it did hit the sea in a particular area where you are, yeah, it yeah. might electrify the sea, might it? Ugh. Electric sea, and especially wet sand. Oh, beach would be electrified. <laughs> Electric sea. <laughs> That's it. That'd be mental, wouldn't it? Oh, I don't like that. It's bad enough when it hits the cove, isn't it? You know, on top, yeah. it scares the hell out of But what, what I mean is there about these people getting sort of struck in India, you could argue that some places aren't quite as highly educated about these yeah. dangers we are, but... I, I'm, I'm good against that. I think I think it must be because they get the monsoon season sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. So they, they, they're used to loads and loads of lightning strikes. Around. Everybody's got mobile phones now, so it's like well, get the information's readily well, available. Mum and Dad would have told them, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, so what does that look like? Or do they all get fused together in a big jelly lump at top, you know what I mean? I think from what I know with lightning strikes like that, it's basically it's almost like... Imagine puppets where the strings just get cut. Wow. That's what it looks like when they get hit. They just everything just goes. Look at bang. Because it's not like that there's a constant current of electricity going yeah. through. We'll start to jitter and jump. Shot it. You just just bang and you're done. You know what I mean? <laughs> I went to school with a lad and he um uh, he was out fishing with somebody and you're pole fishing, have you seen that? Yeah, where they yeah. have like big long carbon poles yeah, and what you're yeah. meant to do, you're meant to take your carbon pole apart as you reel the fish in That's rather it, than using yeah, a, yeah. A, a reel. And, and he, he didn't take his pole apart, he just lifted it up, right? And he hit power lines oh. above him, right? Oh. And it blew his leg off. <laughs> oh, shit. And this kid was there watching, right? And he just uh. saw this, this bang. And this guy's leg gets blown clean oh, off. Oh, is it all pissing blood out? Or is it all. And I think it fried. It, it, yeah. Oh, Pete, oh, that's oh, gross. It's bad, isn't it? You oh, know? I had one like on top of Flamberhead and a couple were walking, young couple. And he got hit and he got killed straight away. And they found her and she was like just wandering around totally mental, dazed and didn't know what was going on. All her toes were blown off like pork sausages, man. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> she couldn't have been walking right well, could she? <laughs> With sausage feet, all bangers and go. <laughs> all split and fucking black and that. How horrible. <laughs> But quite often oh. they get like these people with a permanent mark of look, yeah. that looks like lightning on people's backs and stuff. Wow. And it's where the, the, the Harry Potter in that. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like the Harry Potter. <laughs> it is kind of like that, and it looks like lightning. Shit. And it's the route that the electricity is taken through the body. And that's where it's like, see, it usually comes out at a foot somewhere, you know what I mean? I still don't know about all the weight, you know, that, that bit of plasma that shoots out and connects to the lightning. Yeah, sprites. But, so is that going to come out of you? It's got a match. I, I I think I think it might, yeah, because I'm now I'm watching quite a lot of footage this week of lightning and stuff like that, and it always looks like it's coming out of the ground first. Yeah, and the you proof know? it does, you yeah. know what I mean? So imagine that you like a bit of your sprite coming out like your moisture or something. Like they this balloon thing sort of like, like coming out and thinking, Oh shit and it blows your ass out. <laughs> Blows <laughs> <laughs> your leg off, though. I mean, come oh, on. No, just watching that man, I was just like, oh, I'll see you later, mate. Looking, <laughs> I am done. <laughs> like her feet. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the bread buns. <laughs> Let's tend to go. She smells lovely. <laughs> yeah, 
lots of bad bit about her in that ambulance. I'm like, fucking hell, like, they smell really good. <laughs> News just in. <laughs> this is Metro West Daily News by and this is by Norman Miller, the guy on the spot here. You know what I mean? He's the on crime the streets. He's the he's the crime reporter. Oh, nice. And this is Norfolk. <laughs> oh, we've had a bit. Of, I like Norfolk. Yep. Police search for man accused of having sex with a horse in Norfolk. <laughs> oh no. So the owner oh, of. Fuck. <laughs> Because <laughs> I still can't. Well, let's have a look at the story first, and we'll, we'll have a think about it. <laughs> so, as Norman Miller writes here, the owner of a Miller Street horse centre has put out a warning to other horse farms to be on the lookout for a man who allegedly had sex with a horse at the facility on Thursday. The horse was uninjured. <laughs> <laughs> Take more than that, love. <laughs> Turner Hill Equestrian Stables owner Hilary Swore said on Friday, and she said, this man is a sexual predator, right? <laughs> is that fucking Norfolk? I don't know, really. <laughs> Crack on. The unidentified man is seen on a security camera going into the stables at Turner Hill Equestrian around 4.30am on Thursday. The man used grain to lure several horses out of their pens and succeeded with one. Uh. Norfolk Police Detective Samuel Webb said, he was familiar with horses. <laughs> the way he was able to put reins on the horses shows he knew what he was doing. Put reins on it. Isn't put it? reins on it, Oof. right? So I, th- I think I suppose you've got to keep it steady, haven't you? <laughs> I don't know. Right. So he's put, he's, he's put uh, reins on it, pulled reins all, all the way over to the back end, right? tail over his shoulder. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> off he goes. What an image! You need right? a little stool or something, wouldn't you? So Swar said the stables have multiple security cameras, but the man had unplugged all but one. So this guy is switched on in, in wow. a weird way, isn't it? Seems like inside job to me, but it, it could be, yeah. yeah. An alarm sounded to an employee of Turner Hill who saw on a video feed what was happening. What? So he didn't unplug one just yeah, to give I think, him a show? I think he must have just missed off one oh, back right, to the yeah, lane. Yeah, rather than showing up. By the, so by the time anyone arrived, the man had left. And Hillary Swore says... To have someone break into your barn, pick out a horse like it's a lady lover, pull her out and manoeuvre yourself in such a manner for self-gratification is beyond me. A lady lover? What the fuck's a lady lover? What? Oh, it gets me right. She's, pick out a horse like it's a lady lover, she said, right? You don't do that. You ain't pub. Mm, are you my lady lover? No. Yeah, get your own cap. You. Yeah. You are my lady lover. Yeah, come, come on. on. Get your reins on. <laughs> Look at this grain. <laughs> I'm, I'm drag it out in a cap. I can put some reins on you. CCTV. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, book it yourself in one and wash your ass. I'm going to get stuck in. Because <laughs> that's what happened near us. What? Not, not to a woman, to a different horse. Oh. This, this guy was caught in, as the police came over over the field near us. Uh, as the as this, the police <laughs> police headlights went across this field, <laughs> they found this bloke right, and he's got the he's got the horse's tail up right, and he stood with his trousers around his ankles oh right on a god. box behind the oh horse. Oh my god! And he's got a bucket of soapy water, and he's washing it from behind first. Didn't know what's worse, giving it a wash and just, oh my god! It's just mind boggles, oh, doesn't it? I've got to say before actually, the smell and you lift that up, man. Oh, what's no. he doing? 
And so the, the horse was medically checked and determined to be healthy. Investigators conducted an exam similar to tests on human sexual assault to collect evidence. Oh my god. So they swabbed this thing's arsehole or whatever it is that he's got uh, in there, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, you mucky get. Oh, he's just, he's just not good. But I can happily report he's been arrested. Has he? They found him, yeah, 18 year, old, 18 year old lad. Oh. And that's all we know about it so far, so I think they're going to be, you know, I, I don't know who be charged with sexual assault. I think no, I think it is, it's illegal to bang animals, isn't it? You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So I think you'll be straight. Bang out. animals. <laughs> my my favourite story was years and years ago. There's a train going to York, and it kind of had to stop for something. And someone, <laughs> you, you know it. I think so. <laughs> they looked out the window like, oh my god, look that that boy's shagging a goat, and he's going hell for leather in this field in this lab. And he looks up, and he's not just into animals, he's into getting watched as well. So he's just like, oh my God, I've got a train full here, watching it properly, like, ah, giving really it some manoeuvres, <laughs> slapping its little goat booty in that, and goat's loving it. <laughs> Pulls out, comes up goat's face. Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> of his tits. Yeah, but, but on, his, on his back. Come on, his tits. How do you get in? Is that, is that some, you know, like an, an electrode wrong in your brain, or are you just a monkey? I don't know. I think it's probably something happened when you're young. That yeah, you know. I've heard a, a lot of farm communities. The first, you know, kind of sexual experience is with animals. You know, not yeah. all of them. Don't get me wrong, but most of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're average Eighty-five percent. Only that. Those old big goat knockers swabbing around and that. Big old knockers. Oh. Maybe that's it. You see, you're just bored. You know, but you've, you know, all these things that you see shagging is animals all the time. They talk about animals shagging constantly. Yeah. Oh, the, you know, the, the the sheep are all pregnant again because yeah. Ram's been at them. Yeah. And he might be just thinking, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, with your hand. There's all oh, sorts no. of devices for you nowadays. Yeah, but back in the other one, mother. Yeah, but just, this is recent. He's having to go. Oh, I know. I don't know. You just leave them alone. Yeah, let's leave them alone. Yeah, yeah. get yourself. Get they yourself, don't get us, do they? You get yourself I mean? on internet. And buy yourself a sex ass. That's yeah. what you need. <laughs> Maybe they're still stopping. You know, what go. Correspondence, you see, from the, from some of our listeners. Yeah, a couple of stories coming up here from yeah. uh, from one Mister Drem All right. on Twitter, and uh, I do know him. I've known him for a lot of years. I have met him for a drink before. Is he a dreamboat? Is he Doctor Dream? <laughs> Drem? What is it? <laughs> Doctor Drem. He's called Mister Drem. Don't right. know where the com- thing comes from. Mister yeah. Drem. Don't know what it is. All about. <laughs> Don't know the origins of that. <laughs> but that's Twitter for you. You know, yeah, what I mean? he, he just he just sent us a link to this story. I thought this was pretty good. Cool, right. <laughs> And this is uh, by Ryan Barrel, <laughs> great name, <laughs> Ryan Barrel of Huffington Post. And he says, Britons have been warned to stay alert due to an unusually high number of seagulls tripping on acid <laughs> after eating flying ants. Wow. Hey. <laughs> so experts say this week's hot weather has caused a mass emergence of the insects, which seagulls like to eat despite it affecting their cognitive behaviour. Oh. Now, the doctor, Rebecca Nesbitt of the Society of Biology, says the ants contain formic acid, which can cause gulls to appear drunk. 
Oh no, that's like a bad dream. Yeah, because the gulls are terrifying. When I'm at course, I really don't like. I look round and think, I feel like the birds. I feel like Hitchcock. I'm just like, look at them. I know. The size that's of the beak. Well, this it also causes them to lose their inhibitions after eating these things. If, if, if a <laughs> seagull. <laughs> Drunkenly flopping one off with winging that. Oh. <laughs> Don't look, children. What did I got? Where's his other wing? Oh. <laughs> Give yourself a pokey bum whack. <laughs> I don't even bird can wank. I don't think I've got a dick. I ain't got a clue. I've seen them rub up against each other a bit, but I don't really know what goes on. <laughs> pink cock on a sparrow. Right, back to Pink cock and bollocks on it. Point, it? How do they do it? They must have a little bit of Jenny's going on. Well, I know they've got, uh, they have a, what's called, it's, is it a kawakal they have, right? Kawakal! It's like he's like a universal hole. They have just like one hole. All right. And it's, it backs as both uh, an ass. Uh, the mucky little bastard. The, the piss out of it, the shit out of uh, it, and then also mate into it. Oh man! But what about other end? What's what's the male the end? Muffing <laughs> <laughs> that out. Seagull going down on another one. See, the wizard putting his beak. Oh, you dirty bastard. Little seagulls fucking going at it like knives. Oh, oh dear. So the male one got an only kind of spits into the other one. I don't isn't know. It? We need to find stuff like this out. If, if, if anybody can uh, let us know, do you know, we're not going to look it up, right? Because, yeah. I mean, I don't want to. tell us what happened. Yeah. <laughs> tell us about the birds and the bees. Because last time I googled birds with cocks, um, <laughs> something completely different came up. Pictures of me in Thailand. <laughs> They say the the um, say because there was a flying the recent flying ant day and the, when it looked in a bit. Have you heard of flying ant day? Day is in like yeah. pancake day. Then you get flying ant day. It's flying ant day because there's a particular day of the year which turns is is been widely more celebrated now, which is the flying ant day. It's not always the same day, but it's that day when the most of the flying ants come out. Like right? hatch or something. You mean come out? <laughs> well, yeah, literally hatch. Yeah, what, that's better. Yeah, hatching's yeah. better than coming out. You know. Yeah, they're, they're not the <laughs> pride or something. <laughs> ant pride. But what what happens is um, obviously big ants nest. So you know, yeah. the ants they'll they'll lay all their eggs and stuff like that. But a particular day of the year, that's just right weather wise. Just weather wise, a particular ant egg has been laid, hatches, yeah. and those are the new queens. Ah. So what happens is all the queens take to the wing kind of thing, right, yeah. to find new places. I'm not sure whether this, this happens with male ants as well. I don't, all that I know is that there's absolutely tons of flying ants when they pop out. Wow. And because they've only kind of got one set of wings for a day, they're not very good flyers. They're yeah. just sort of like take to the skies, bumble about. Um, uh, and, and then when they land, they're sort of the, I think, I, I think it's another ant will mate with them or something. Yeah. They lose the wings, they go underground and become like the queen ant, and just wow. sort of like that's what they do from then on. Just lay loads and loads and loads of eggs until they die. Yeah. Well, the weird thing is, as well, with ants is the biomass of ants, right? As in the amount of ants, the weight of them, right? Yeah. 
is exactly the same as the biomass of humans. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a weird food for thought, it is, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, you know what I mean? Turn dollars. we'd have a right old battle on our hands, yeah. wouldn't we? You know what I mean? It's, so it's like yeah. So that's but the, the like you say, their defensive mechanism. For, so if, if you all right, the, there's the bites we talked about. The bites the, the, before. Like the bite and the squirt the piss on you somewhere. Well, it's not piss. It's formic acid. All right. So and the spray it from the rear end. So they're saying the RSBB's Tony Whitehead says seagulls have an increased appetite for the bugs recently, right? Yeah. So they've really kind of got onto the old flying ant day yeah, themselves, well, you know? Does. And he says the gulls are mad for them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know. Disco biscuits. Yeah, that's I'll it. Keep mad for them. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a massive emergence of the ants over the last three days, and they're like little treats for the gulls. They're like M&Ms to them, and they go to wherever they are. And because birds are very intelligent as well, you see, what could be happening is learned behaviour from other gulls. Yeah. So they thought, oh, I know it's a nice little nutritious snack. It gets yeah. me off my tits. It's <laughs> flying ants, you know, so they've gone to those, you know. There's a bit of a sad side to this as well, you see, because the effect of ants on the seagulls, right, is that they fly into buildings and even moving cars. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And the one, big out there. One Exeter motorist told the Daily Star that I've seen crushed bodies of around half a dozen gulls on the main roads around the city. Normally they fly off before getting anywhere near a vehicle. They just seem to be getting mown down. Uh, you shouldn't drink and fly, should you? <laughs> I know this is it. You know, it's 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 just not good, is it? Really. So it's like, um, but the thing is with seagulls, you got to watch yourself with the seagull. Because I know somebody who'd um, uh, who'd been fishing off the, um, at, uh, I think it was Bridlington Pier or something like this, right? Uh, fishing off end of there, and the, the line got caught up with the seagull. The seagull had gone to sort of like try and nick the bait off yeah, end, yeah. sort of thing. And, and it, he hadn't got, I don't know where he got it hooked. I think through wing or something. I like think get more and more tangled. Yeah, this yeah. seagull. Wore, and, but he says it weighed, it were on kind of on the sand then, you know, flapping around like mad. He thought, oh, oh God, God, you know. So he says, don't worry, I'll go out and down and sort this out, right? So he got his, it, it, what he wanted to do, just like he bought a pair of tweezers with him and a yeah. little knife to cut the lines, sort of thing. So he went down and he, he grabbed this goal, right? And that's when the fight started. Oh, shit. <laughs> right. And everybody else on the harbour <laughs> were watching, right? And you got to save it. you, you got to save it. You can't, can't drown it or something. You can't just wring its neck or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no. And he says, and he eventually managed, succeeded to get this hook out, this wing, right, and release. And he says, and when he got back up, right, it looked like he'd been in a knife fight. And he had to go to hospital to get stitched. He says, it was literally like somebody just attacked him with razor blades. The bite beaks are so sharp and are so powerful. That's what it was doing. It was just using its beak to just slash at his forearms and go in his face and all sorts. You know... Oh, nothing's mankier than a seagull beak. You just uh, no. want a fucking striper, that man. I mean, like, that's chop it off, you know what yeah, I mean? That's, that's like, what forgot, you know? Yeah, you go to that, Caught chips. <laughs> Tommy K and all sorts of you. Fucking waffles. <laughs> I know, but that's what I think that's what really makes them so big, all that food. I bet they won't big that big originally. Yeah, yeah. Because they are bloody massive, they're aren't they? They're huge, man. They're absolutely gross. And the way they steal off you, I'm so paranoid at those kind of coastal towns. You're like, yeah. breed, I don't like that crazy corner you go around with waffles and chips and shit. And, and there all, they all are. They're looking all waiting at you. and, oh, they don't give a shit. Ugh. Well, we, we don't. We uh, When the, the kids were little, I went on a nice little sort of beach holiday, a nice little <laughs> picnic on beach, right? And uh, when you could see, and people, we'd already seen sort of seagulls nicking stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? And uh, there's warnings everywhere. So, look, these be, these are the worst gulls. These are the ones that will come for your stuff, right? Wow. 
and anyway, kids are sort of sat eating the sandwiches, right, nervously looking yeah. around and everything like that. Right, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh God, what am I going to do here? You know, I mean, start <laughs> sweeping in, don't they? The yeah. goals are sweeping in. So I thought, right, well, I'll, I'll forego the picnic yeah. and I'll stand guard with the fishing net. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then this goal came down and I whacked it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby, idiot. <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like a whole lot like a football when you're boom. <laughs> Because like, <laughs> that ain't animal cruelty, that's fighting back, is that? Yeah, of course you know it is. what I mean? The fuckers and they need to learn. You yeah, he needs to learn. Yeah. He's got to it, it, it was fine. He's hard as nails. I'll pray for that paint that means. That means yeah. if I had a paint in you in cove, that means. <laughs> <laughs> cowering family and you like heroically whacking a fucking shitty fucking net. <laughs> What'd have been worse if they got caught in there oh. and then the fight ensued? <laughs> fucking raising up. Yeah. Full Chelsea smile and that. I'd say what I'd have done. I'd have uh, stamped on it. Yeah, you know what I'd do. I'd yeah. dive on it, like use your weight on it and that. But know. the endangered, you can get prosecuted for killing a seagull. Are the cl- are they, are they fuck? That's the clusters in there. Are they fuck? <laughs> oh, that rubbish tips around inland and everything. You can't everywhere. move through, can you? But they're the reckon that, yeah. There's like Dale's ever squawking a wall. What are you fucking doing? Come down for your fucking sardine. <laughs> Get away from me, Greg's, you bastard. One <laughs> bag of chips, that's it. They're all at you. Oh, but no. can you imagine those, those lot are massive, though. That's the thing. Oh, mate, I can't. Trippy. What do they do? Just out proper violence. Oh, or? I think they'd just go at you. Yeah, they'd go at you. I think they like the scene as well. They're walking in their roads. They're just like, they're like they're all, they all yeah. like on spice. <laughs> Spice. Spice girls. Spice girls, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Four of them. Yeah. <laughs> now this is a story. The next one is it is also being sent to me by Mr. Drem. So oh, thanks cool. again for this one. Yeah, this well one particular tickled me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's actually been reported all through the UK as this one, yeah. but um, the, the the angle that I've chosen the story is actually because everybody takes piss out of like Florida, don't they? You know what I mean? Like Florida man did this and Florida man did that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is actually from Tampa Free Press, and they're reporting on us doing something fucking <laughs> mental. <laughs> yeah, have some that. So I thought that'd be quite a nice little yeah. angle, that you know. So we, we'll do that it's because this is um, a London library is apologising for bringing in. A rainbow dildo butt monkey to entertain the children. Whoa, <laughs> rainbow dildo butt monkey. Yes. Oh. And this was at Redbridge Libraries, hosted a Mandiga Arts Group at Redbridge Libraries Summer Reading Challenge event on Saturday in East London, where video footage posted on social media shows a number of performers outside the event, according to the Evening Standard. Now, one of the performers was dressed like a rainbow monkey costume, exposing a fake buttocks. And a fake penis. Oh, what the... If you want to see this, no. lad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my... Oh, man, get the guns. Look at his face, look at his cock. Can I do that? <laughs> look, he's got tits. <laughs> what is that? Oh, no, that's like something like... A, you know, if you were in Avatar or something, you turn around that way there, you'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> kick your back doors in. <laughs> it's got to proper happen. <laughs> This guy, if you knew that your kids came on all quiet, right? I'd knock him clean out. If I walk him down the road, kids are no kids, and I saw that in the street, you'd be getting a clout. He really would. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't have that walking around outside a library. Jesus, look at him. But it's not clear, right, who the performer was, right? 
Uh, and, and somebody's tweet, uh, a Twitter user, Dr. Jane Harris, tweeted, Can a word capture the spirit of an age? Well, images certainly can. In future, when we think back on the zeitgeist of 2021, we may remember Rainbow Dildo Butt Monkey and wonder how on earth we descended to thinking that this was suitable entertainment for children. <laughs> that is 2021 all over, isn't it? The mad, crazed, evil, violent sexuality of <laughs> The, the library's statement says, um, During an event put on by the library today, there was a performance by a carnival arts company. Unfortunately, one of the animal costumes was inappropriate. Inappropriate? <laughs> Where's it appropriate for that, you know? Because <laughs> the actual footage is even funnier because he's basically doing the thwack thwack dance with it when he's outside. Link. He's dancing around, swinging his dick around. I'd right? swing about lampposts. That's the only time an animal man in public is hanging there and then. So the Mandiga um, Arts apologised for any offence caused, saying the group never intended to offend res residents, and the organisation did not immediately respond to a request for, uh, for comment from the Daily Call and News Foundation as to who the rainbow dildo butt monkey was. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so can you imagine? So he's got away with it. That man has done that and got away with it. Well, I, I think what's happened is that's that's his gig. That's what he does. Yeah. And I think what they've done is they've got like, this visual arts company. They said, all right, would you for a performance on for us, please? And they go, yeah, fine, I'll get my monkey costume out. There's a few of them. He went on his own. They were, like, what, what, with cocks out? <laughs> they all did have... Well, there were a few of them just a bit more normal. And a bit yeah. more, they're all a bit of rainbow. A bit more normal. Yeah, but none of them, no other ones had, like, the bare ass, you know, the dildo, <laughs> rainbow dildo butt monkey. <laughs> but what, what gets me what inspired him to make that costume in the first place? Perversity. That's I know. What, that's what that is, pure perversity. I know, so it? what we'll do, we'll have to follow this one with care, really, to find out what the hell's happening. Should have been we're... tranked by police or something, did <laughs> Can you? Can imagine that? Imagine <laughs> him getting fucking tasered. <laughs> He'd love it. <laughs> so if you know who the uh, rainbow dildo butt monkey is... Uh, is that what he's called? I can't yeah. the name of him now. <laughs> yeah, the rainbow dildo, dildo butt monkey. If you know who he is... Have you know where he's appearing next? <laughs> <laughs> Tell Benny, because I will fight that monkey anywhere in the oh, UK. Oh, I'd love to see Anytime, that. Anytime, anywhere. You're wind, you windmilling with Rainbow Dildo <laughs> Monkey. Can you imagine if you get... <laughs> on floor, you look up like, oh no. Just, it just it slowly but surely gets the upper hand doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it starts kissing you really forward. <laughs> <laughs> His tongue's so strong. Oh my God. <laughs> Marine. <laughs> You can skim it to the top and cleat lamp really easy. <laughs> That's all he can do. <laughs> oh. oh, Jesus. Fucking coming to... What is this world coming to? Of a odd characters kicking about, you know what I mean? And it's, you know, I, I, to say that's a 2021 odd character, you know, you think that's 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 a bit of a shame. But <laughs> I think we should go back to 2015. Oh, so that's say, nice. yeah. safer. Is it? It's all safer, safer, you know. Let's keep away yeah. from those weird characters because yeah. you know that's that's the danger. We don't want oddballs like yeah. we want the safety of 2015. Yeah, don't we? the boredom of 2015. <laughs> yeah. And this headline is. Um, this is from uh, Tess Delamere for the Daily Mirror. Wrote this. Tess, nice, nice name, Tess Delamere. And the headline is, 
homeless ex-lawyer who sneaked into a woman's bedroom dressed in fishnets and g-string mistook her for a giant panda. <laughs> oh, no. You can't go from one to the next, Matt. You're making me all spinny. What? Panda. That's exactly it, right? That's his excuse, or genuinely thought she were a panda. Well, I, to be honest, this is actually quite a tragic story, is this, right? Yeah. Because he's an, he's an ex-lawyer, you know what I mean? Oh. He's, he's obviously he's had some sort of fall from grace, you know. Yeah. And I don't know what might have happened, but he's, he's been in, this has been in uh, the courts as this, and he's actually been cleared of trespass. He's got away with it. Wow. Is like, right? Was that shit excuse? <laughs> so Irish-born Desmond Moran, 53 claimed he had taken so many drugs <laughs> that he thought the terrified woman was a giant panda. He could not recall why he was dressed in women's underwear and when he got into her Bayswater flat. The woman told a court she was sleeping in bed with her two children when she awoke to find Moran staring at her from the doorway. Oh, God. She watched as he slowly crossed the room to stare out of the window. <gasps> Jurors at Southwark Crown Court stifled giggles as they were shown the stockings and g-string that Moran had been wearing. And the woman, who cannot be named, told the court, I woke up and I saw him there, and he was just looking at us. I felt like he was looking at me even though the two kids were there. Because she's in bed with the two kids, you know what I mean? It's like, oh my God. I said... Who are you? What are you doing? What are you doing in my apartment? <laughs> Fucking hell, talking panda? <laughs> That's when I started getting quite anxious and I started screaming at him and the children woke up. When I first saw him, I couldn't see much. I thought he had an apron on. He wasn't wearing any trousers or a jacket. It was like a costume. And when he went to the window and turned around, I could see his bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had a G-string on. Oh. He said Moran did not answer even when she started shouting at him during the encounter in the middle of the night on the 14th of July of that year. And she eventually managed to make it to a living nanny's room, right, and, and locked herself in there. With kids, I hope. Yeah, <laughs> take the children! <laughs> yeah. Moran was quickly discovered down in the basement of a block of flats in a shelter used to keep the communal bins, still wearing his fishnet stockings <laughs> and G-string, right? In his backpack, a black laptop and a variety of drug paraphernalia were also found in the concrete floor of the basement. Oh, I want to know which drugs he were on here. Moran, who was high on crack cocaine and crystal meth. (laughs) (laughs) What a combo. Wow. Wow, right? He said he went into the block of flats to get a bed for the night and denied even seeing the woman. He said, I honestly didn't see a woman on the bed. I didn't see any children in the bed. I honestly thought it was a big panda on the bed. And that's what it looked like to me. I had taken some drugs, and I'm pretty certain that's what I saw. I didn't see any woman. I didn't see any kids. Um, Were they under the panda? (laughs) 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 Wow. So this poor guy, right, and he's, he's said he's really sorry and everything, you know what I mean? He, and he's, I can't he, believe it then. Yeah, I think he says, oh God, what have I done here, you know oh, what I mean? He realises he's made a pickle, he's, he's held his hand up, he said, yeah, that was me, I was doing it. I have no idea, he said he had no idea how he'd got in the fishnet stockings, or the G-string, oh, and why he started prowling around. How he managed to get into the flat's quite good going. Oh. I think he I think he says there, he, he tried the door and he was unlocked, so she must have accidentally left the door unlocked. Oh, but that's a, that's a mooched in, and yeah. just wonder if it were her suzzies and G-string, or... I don't know. 
Mm. I think he must be his own, to be honest. He's been. God. He kind of gives me a bit of terror because I'm, you know, when you're like really a bit drunk and you kind of. You've like, got all your wife's clobber on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're around someone else's house and they don't know you're there. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, you're like, I remember one day I went to an hotel and I had a right good time, you know what I mean? I yeah. think I had a bit of a bad back. I think I went on a couple of meds. You know that bit when you're on meds and you think, oh, I'll have a cheeky beer, you know? Then you're <laughs> wild. You assume, but yeah. yeah. Went to bed as normal. Woke up in the middle of the night, uh, and where I woke up was, um, <laughs> with cock out, <laughs> pissing all over windy, you know, like I, I was like mooching at curtains and pissing all over windows, and as I last, what are you doing, what are you doing, and that's when I kind of came out of me, me haze, yeah. so I thought I were in a hotel and I'd gone to the route to get to the toilet, and I got to the window and I'm like thinking that's a toilet, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm really down for a piss, and I'm, Fucking oh like not rest of it. Can we do the same from outside? Yeah, that's a really bad bit. <gasps> Overrun <laughs> from me with his lass who were a writer and she's up all night writing strip you know they were that bit of eye contact, you know what I mean, afterwards. You are kidding. Mate, mate, three weeks later I'm down at school, you're doing a parent thing and that. I'm like bored out my adult parents are in one room. Yes, your kid's gonna do this in year two and I'll look look down row, she's only there in shit. <laughs> <laughs> Gives me a little smile and I'm like, are you? No right. way! <laughs> wait, wait, wait. She, didn't, she moved out quite suddenly after that. Oh <laughs> my thra- god. All I remember was this mad thrashing, you know, like all this dark stuff in front of me. I think, where the fucking pisser, man? I'm getting in balling. Oh my You know what I mean? God. One who's just a naked mate at a window thrashing about with a little tight girl oh, pulling me back. <laughs> 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 what are you doing, Dally? <laughs> Stop it! Fucking Taliban everywhere, mate. Wild. Jeez. Is this live? Am I recording? <laughs> <laughs> Please don't tell anybody about that, listeners. <laughs> Telling everyone. Somewhere it's for the springtime when we take the road once more for the planting and the purling and the berry fields of blur. We'll meet up with our kinfolk from all the world around. When the gang of bird folk take the road and yellows on the broom. When yellows on the broom. When yellows on the broom. And I'll get you on the road again. When yellows on the broom. Well, from one little worm being wagged in the window <laughs> to another kind of worm entirely. Ooh. This is the story of the Lambton worm. Right? That rings a bell, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, this is it's, it's quite a famous story. The white worm, that's the white worm story, that's isn't it? That's right. I've looked into this a little bit before. Oh, you might yeah. be able to help me out with a bit then, yeah. you know. So the the lantern worm is a legend from County Durham in North East England in the UK. And the story takes place on the River Weir and is one of the area's most famous pieces of folklore, having been adapted from written and oral tradition into pantomime and song formats. Mm. So the story revolves around John Lampton, an heir to the Lampton estate in the Tynan Weir, which was historically County Durham, and his battle with a giant worm or dragon mm. that had been terrorising the local villages. So the story states that young John Lampton was a rebellious character who missed church one Sunday to go fishing in the River Weir. But John receives warning right, from an old man right, that no good can come from missing church. So he's kind of giving heads up, no, you shouldn't miss church, you know, mm. something will happen. So John Lampton doesn't catch anything until the church service finishes, at which point he fishes out a small eel or lamprey-like creature, 
with nine holes on each side of its salamander-like head. Wow. Now, I'm, I'm turning around and saying that's rather than being an eel, I think that is a lamprey. Lampreys have these holes down the side of the head. What's a lamprey? Lamprey is a very, very um, uh, ancient creature. It's like sort of, it's almost like a living fossil, the yeah, class yeah. it has, right? And you get lampreys live in the sea, but you get freshwater lampreys are, are in very good, clean water. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in British uh, in British rivers, oh. and they have instead of like the usual mouth parts, they have like a sucker for a mouth yeah. kind of thing. They have these holes down the side, very very sort of um, uh, uh, ancient creature wow, to look at yeah. as well, you know. And these rumours that lampreys get to a good old size, yeah. but they're, they're uh, protected now because what happened was there was like a tradition of catching lampreys and making them into a pie for the king or queen. <laughs> a lamprey pie was, pie was like a famous dish that they used to like to eat. But I think this this description sounds a lot like a lamprey. <clears throat> so they're saying the worm is no bigger they say the the worm is no bigger than a thumb, right? <laughs> or perhaps up to about three feet long, they don't know how long. So in, in they're not too sure, it's a bit vague what the actual yeah. description of it was, right? So but um but then the old man comes back and says, look, you know what I mean? I told you something nasty had happened, you know. And the John declares that he's caught the devil. Oh, wow. Right? And decides to dispose of his catch by discarding it down a nearby well. And the old man then issues further warnings about the nature of the beast, sort mm -hmm. of thing, saying, you know, you've, you've, you've done something stupid here, you're not listening yeah, yeah. clever, right? So John then forgets about the creature and eventually grows up. And as a penance for his rebellious early years, he joins the Crusades, right? <laughs> so off he goes, right? But eventually the worm grows extremely large and the well becomes poisonous. And the villagers start to notice livestock going missing and discover that a fully grown worm has emerged from the well and coiled itself around a local hill. <laughs> and there is a worm hill there. Now there's a worm well yeah, and a worm hill. <laughs> So they reckon that the worm was big enough to wrap around the hill seven times, <laughs> right? It's a whopper. And it's said that you can still see the mark of the worm on Worm Hill. So the worm terrorised the nearby villages, eating sheep and preventing cows from producing milk and snatching away small children. I love how they leave this in the story to the last thing. Oh, yeah. no, a sheep can't have anything. Oh, the nicking cow's milk. Oh, the nicking kids as well. Oh, by the way. But then it heads towards Lampton Castle where the Lord, John Lampton's aged father, manages to sedate the creature in what becomes a daily ritual of offering the worm the milk of nine good cows. Which is twenty gallons, right? Wow. So twenty gallons of milk is supping a day, is this thing? <laughs> you know I mean, that's a bit a bit suppage, isn't it? You know, it's an ugly sight to see as well, isn't it? So a number of brave villagers tried to kill the beast, but are quickly dispatched. And when a chunk is cut off the worm, it simply reattaches the missing piece. Visiting knights also try to assault the beast, but none survive. And when annoyed, the worm uproots trees by coiling its tail around them, then creates devastation by waving the uprooted tree like a club. Jesus. Right? So after seven years, John Lampton returns from the Crusades to find his father's estate almost destitute because of the worm. So he decides to fight it. So he decides to get the guidance of a wise woman or a witch near Durham. Right? Sweet. So the witch hardens John's resolve to kill the beast by explaining his responsibility for the worm. She tells him it's you oh, that's yeah. caused this, right? Yeah. And she tells him to cover his armour in spearheads. <laughs> cool. And fight the worm in the River Weir, where it now spends its day wrapped around a great rock. And the witch also tells John that after killing the worm, he must kill the first living thing he sees or else his family will be cursed for nine generations and will not die in their beds. So basically that means, you know, they won't have a peaceful death yeah, kind of thing, yeah. you know. 
John prepares his armour according to the witch's instructions and arranges with his father that when he has killed the worm, he will sound his hunting horn three times, and on this signal, his father is to release his favourite hound oh. so that it will run to John, yeah. who can then kill the dog, thus avoiding the curse. John Lambton then fights the worm in the river. The worm tries to crush him, wrapping him around in its coils, but it cuts itself on the armour's spikes, and the pieces of the worm fall into the river and are washed away before they can join up again. Ah, so eventually the worm is dead, and John sounds his hunting horn three times. But fortunately, John's father is so excited that the beast is dead, he forgets to release the hound, ah. and rushes out to congratulate his son. John can't bear to kill his father, and so, after they meet, the hound is released and dutifully dispatched. But it's too late, and nine generations of Lamptons are cursed, so they shall not die peacefully in their beds. And the curse seems to have held true for at least three generations, possibly helping to contribute to the popularity of the story. So the first generation, Robert Lampton, drowned at Newrig. Second, William, Sir William Lampton, a colonel of foot was killed in the Battle of Marston Moor and the third William Lambton um, died in the Battle of Wakefield but the ninth right which is Henry Lambton died in his carriage crossing Lambton Bridge on the 26th of June 1761 so these Lamptons aren't having a lot of luck no. really you know once he's lucky dying in your bed either like you're still carking it <laughs> but General Lambton Henry Lampton's brother is said to have kept a horse whip by his bedside to ward off violent assaults. <laughs> and he died in his bed at an old age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. So that's pretty good, isn't it? It you is. Know? Yeah. The story's different, isn't it, if I remember right? It's like the story after that, all that area, and there's like a woman in, a, in the worm's lair and all sorts of... I, I, think, a lot, I think a lot of things like from the movie was, was in large. the movie again? Uh, really famous. I think, I can't remember who did it. No, yeah, it it was um, I can't remember the name. Ken Ken Russell. I think it was Ken Russell, wasn't yeah. it? I think Ken Russell. I've did never it, seen yeah. the film. I've heard radio yeah. ad adaptation. I've, I've seen the film, but it's yeah. a lot of years ago. It's a bit rubbish, actually. It's, not, it? it's not great. Yeah. And it was. It's actually based on another story. Has been based off of it. Like yeah. I think. It, I think. I don't know. It's Arthur Conan Doyle or something like that. Oh, that rings a bell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, but it's or even Bram Stoker. I'm yeah. getting a really weird feeling yeah, about it. Could be, could be something like that. that. Yeah, we're looking into it. Yeah. But you know, it's. But the thing is, with this, there's loads of stuff to do with this. Like this, this particular creature. It's a very specific creature. You know. And they've been called a worm a lot, haven't they? Um, dragons in just from that. Oh no, that's tale. true. Yeah, I've heard of them being called the Great Worm and all that sort of stuff. Well, what a lot of people actually think might be it was actually um, during the time when it was meant to have happened. We were being invaded by various people at the time, and mm. I think it's even I think it's even like the Dutch or something. And they said it, it's the the term worm or dragon at the time can maybe used as an, a, an analogy for other things. So it could be mm. like that could be plague in the area, yeah. and it's almost like it's been. The, to, to name it a dragon or a beast is easier to do than to sort of actually have a real creature, you know. Um, plus that bit, you know, and like there's some invisible killing you. Yeah. You know, you need to kind of like name it in a way or make it a beast. Or well, something. I think I think whenever in, in, in a particular violent murder is always called a beast, isn't it? It's yeah, less yeah. than human. And what they've said as well, there might be this this uh, like a a, a, a colony a, a, of soldiers mm. was in the area at the time. Apparently, apparently they were pillaging, nicking stuff, mm. um, killing villagers, and all sorts. 
So, yeah. so they could have referred to these as a dragon or a worm in their own right. But I'm not so sure. I think you know you think the the, the lasting legacy of dragons. Mm. I mean, me being in Wales recently, yeah. they like a dragon over there. <laughs> yeah, they do. They it, like to they? go on about dragons a lot as well. <laughs> you know, but I mean, for something to be so deeply entrenched in their culture, you and know, worldwide culture as well. Yeah, that's which it. Is just again, you think, wow. Every every civilization has their own dragons. So. Oh, so want them to be real. It's just so cool out the dragons, even though they'll be absolutely fucking shit terrifying. If you yeah, have you ever seen the film Rain of Fire? No, I've seen bits of it's it. It's quite yeah. good actually. But it's, it's, it's like yeah. terrifying the fact that they do find where all the dragons are hiding, <laughs> and they oh we've woke them all up. Oh god, and that's <laughs> it. A rain of fire for a million yeah, years. Yeah, that's it. You know, so you think, oh my god. So yeah, so that maybe they are. Let's let sleeping dragons lie. Oh, I think yes. you know. <laughs> Very wise word. <laughs> Historical cryptozoology for you now, you know, which is I, I, I white thought, worms and more, white worms and more. So this is I found this one quite interesting. This because there's a lot of witnesses to it. Yeah, and this is the mystery bird of Radcliffe, how an unknown creature dominated the town skies and baffled locals. And this is by Thomas George for Boltonbury and Wigan News, right? And he for, for the Manchester Evening News. That's his that's his patch. Is Boltonbury and Wigan, right? <laughs> cool. And this was the mysterious creature that dominated a town's skyline for a fortnight and caused a stir among the locals. And it was in September 1923 when an unusual bird was spotted soaring above the chimneys and terrace streets of Radcliffe. And it drew captivated crowds and even made the pages of the Manchester Evening News after being spotted perched on the chimney of the East Lancashire paper mill, then the town's largest employer. And in the Saturday, September the 8th edition of 1923 of the Manchester Evening News, the Tonight's Diary column alerted readers to a strange bird which had been spotted in Radcliffe. And the headline pondered, is it a stork or an eagle? This is, a mild sensation was created at Radcliffe last evening by the appearance of a huge bird on the parapet of the chimney of East Lancashire paper mills. Numbers of people were speculating as to the species of this stranger to the district, and it must have been a fully four feet high. Some say it was an eagle, while others think it was a stork, and it certainly attracted considerable attention. And the allure surrounding the unknown visitor grew as those who caught a glimpse of it struggled to agree on its identity. So tonight's diary, which is the the later update, right, the 13th of September edition, with the mystery bird now the top item, and it says, is it an eagle? Radcliffe's mystery bird, whose arrival and I announced last week, is still puzzling residents as to its identity. It has now made home at the top of one of the tallest chimneys in the district. Since I first drew attention to the bird, hundreds of people have had a look at the bird, and small crowds have collected in the vicinity to gaze at the weird visitor. Wow. Meanwhile, the identity remains a mystery. Is it an eagle or a stork or some relic of the past? Even families, I'm told, are beginning to quarrel about it, right? So two days later, the Columns author offered somewhat defeated effort at solving the mystery. The headline now relegated to the bottom of the news roundup pleaded, What is it? (laughs) And the latest designations of Radcliffe's mystery birds to reach me are a heron, a cormorant, a golden eagle or a stork. 
but he still wonders what it really is. So no colours, no photos, no... Well, 1923, no. They had snappy snap snaps then. Yeah, they did have it, you know what I mean? But um, Capturing it, like, they didn't have no telephone. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. It was at the top of a really tall chimney. I don't think they could get a clear photo of. But at the same time, there have been binoculars, and people... The thing that interests me about this, right, is this is a cryptozoological creature. We don't know what it is, right? Yeah, it's yeah. unidentified. And it had hundreds of people looking at it. Yeah. And in that time, they didn't just have hundreds of people looking at it. There have been people, bird watchers, all sorts of turned yeah. up. Nobody knew what it was. It's weird, because I was thinking at one bit, it's like, you know, the eagles must have been more common in the highlands and lake districts and... Places like that, it's kind of yeah. swept down wrong, or something's happened to it, and it, it's just like a big fucking eagle. Or well, something. well, a stork. I mean, if you think of what a, a, an eagle looks like, eagle's got a hooked beak and that. It's got, yeah. it's, it's got a big head. It's not a massive head. Whereas, yeah. like a stork or a heron, it's got a big long beak and it's got long neck, and it's got you know, it's very distinctive yeah. to look at. You but know, both. You know, people say it's one or the other. It's going to be a bit of a mix, and it? it's going to have a long neck, but not long yeah. enough to say that is a stork. Look, it is. Yeah, I, I'm thinking it doesn't look. I, I, I suspect it doesn't look anything like any of these creatures mm. you know what i mean or my other thing could be something like a condor <laughs> you know like it kind of it might be an escape from a, a zoo or a menagerie you see yeah. a, and a condor because it, it's got the long long bendy neck kind mm. of thing because it's basically a condor is just like a giant uh, vulture kind yeah, of creature that's yeah vulture. that's got that look yeah it, so yeah. i'm thinking that kind of creature it is because they're saying oh well it is an eagle it's got a bit a head a bit like an eagle but its neck is a bit long yeah. and bendy and, and stuff. it won't be like known to a lot of people unless you're yeah. deep into books foreign books and stuff no that's it and, and, and a condor biggest wingspan going kind of yeah, thing it yeah. looks like a flying barn door <laughs> so that i think i think it could because as well as being no sort of no talk of any particular thing being attacked or it's yeah. swooping down to kill things whereas a big eagle would have to be eating something yeah, wouldn't yeah. it you know so i'm thinking it might be but who knows it might yeah. have swept in from the the nether regions and landed yeah. in manchester in it a bringer of doom as well sometimes a bird like that some, some are they call them a psychopomp that's it yeah, yeah. yeah between carrying souls or something yeah but let's face it manchester's doomed at the best of times <laughs> isn't it <laughs> <laughs> and during those grim industrial times of the 20s, you know what yeah. I mean? It'll have been pretty bleak and people have been getting their hands chopped off in bills and all sorts all the time, you know? <laughs> and those paper mills, notorious poisoners of the waters. and well, the, Yeah, terrible. Even yeah. still are, real bad yeah, pollution. Yeah. Paper production's really bad. But, you know, so we don't know what the creature was, though, but it's a bit Ooh. different, isn't it? You yeah, know I like mean? that one. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, the best way they needed was a really, really long fishing net and I'd have got rid of it. What? <laughs> 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 it clean up. Dunk. <laughs> 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 You have me fucking chips. <laughs> <laughs> It's that time again. Oh, not that time already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid it is. It's, it's time for us to pack up, pack up the camp, and you know, yeah, just 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 crack on with his jaws. And I think we've got to, we've got to shine the light out to see, haven't we? You mm, see, so there's a rude not to. Yeah, that's it. You know, but for, for now, we maybe we'll we'll just shine it just a little bit up and into the sky, mm. not into space, just into the sky now. And so what we're going to see, what we're looking for, we're looking into the past as well, because we're looking for Claude Moore Brabazon. 
That's right. Name, yeah. He's the man who proved that pigs can fly. <laughs> <laughs> and this is from aviationhumor.com. And the famous British retort that pigs might fly to any suggestion that seems ridiculous has been uh, had been proved by British aviator Claude Moore Brabazon, the first Lord Brabazon of Tara, so Tara's island, I believe, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. The first historically recorded flight of a pig took place <laughs> on, uh, at Laysdown in Kent, in uh, Great Britain, on November the 4th, 1909. And with this flight, the aristocratic British aviator made porcine aviation a reality. He fixed a wicker basket to a wing strut of his voicing biplane and carefully strapped a pig into it, right? The basket had a handwritten sign that says, I am the first pig to fly, right? <laughs> then he took the bemused pig for a flight of about 3.7 miles from Selbeach, the Short Brothers airfield that lays down on the Isle of Sheppey. <laughs> Do you want to see a picture? Oh, let me see this little piggy. Oh, <laughs> my God, that's a cute pig. <laughs> Look at that. That's so baby. It's quite, a big sow, a big ugly sow, is it? It's just no, a little got piglet. The, you got themselves a little oh. piglet, you know. He's smiling now, piglet, to the big <laughs> sky. <laughs> so Brabazon was a sportsman of remarkable accomplishments, a scion of the British nobility, whose family wealth enabled him to f learn to fly and to possess his own gliders and airplanes. He had been attracted to aviation since his childhood. Brabazon learnt to fly in France at Issy Les Molineux, near Paris. One of his early flights has been pictured for the first issue of Flight Magazine, dated January the 2nd, 1909. Oh, now, they've only been flying since 1903. I've got to say, yeah, the so Wright, Yeah, the Wright brothers uh, uh, took their first plane, the Wright... I think it's the right flyer or the right glider or something like that. You know? yeah. So yeah, they've, they've only been flying sort of six years, kind of thing. You know what I mean? He's already taken. Everything they're doing, it flying. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Very much so. You know, he was the first Briton to fly. So wow. the first guy to take a plane up in, in in the whole of Britain, right? So in April the 1909, he took off from Shell Beach on the Isle of Sheppey, and he's this the voice and farm and aircraft to fly some 500 yards. On October the 30th, Brabazon won the £1,000 prize offered by the Daily Mail for the first closed circuit of a mile in a British airplane. Oh, wow. And £1,000 then, that's a lot of brass, you know what I mean? He's loaded anyway, isn't he? But go on. So for this venture, he purchased a Short Brothers number no. 2 uh, airplane fitted with a 60 horsepower green aero engine. Huh? And Brabazon was a prominent member of Britain's Aero Club and the owner of the first pilot's licence issued in the UK by the Royal Aero Club, March uh, the 8th, 1909. And in the First World War, Lord Brabazon had a leading role in the development of aerial photography. Oh. So he's a bit of a hero as well, then, yeah. you know. And he went on to become the Minister of Transport and later the Minister for Aircraft Production under Winston Churchill. And he also led the company with the Wright brothers and Charles Rolls of Rolls-Royce fame, right? Oh, so he sort of like went into aircraft production as well. Yeah, yeah. And after the Second World War, Brabazon was hired to plan the post-war civil aviation in Britain. And he was chairman of British Cabinet Committee, which supervised the pr project of a passenger aircraft prototype, the Bristol 167 Brabazon. <laughs> And that was the largest airplane ever built in the UK. Okay. The Bristol Brabazon was designed as a transatlantic airline carrier to carry 100 passengers, and it, but it performed poorly and was killed off by the dawning of the jet age and more efficient designs developed at the time. But afterwards, Brabazon retired and went into private life. 
where he continued to distinguish himself as a racer of Belgian cars and as a passionate golfer. <laughs> oh, that is super cool. And that's the man it? who proved that pigs can fly. It's weird, isn't it? You, don't, you look at flight and you just take it for granted in a way. What a crazy... You know, you see a jumbo jet going across this yeah. fucking... Uh, a cultist, isn't it? You know what I mean? He just shouldn't be right. He shouldn't he, be right, yeah. It's fucking insane. You get on him and you just zip to fucking Australia. It's, what? Yeah, we take stuff like that too much for granted. I mean, it is an Massive. amazing miracle. But I've said that before. It's like you give anything a ticket price, yeah. you give a miracle a ticket price or, or a monthly tariff, yeah. and it, redu- it, it loses all its uh, sort of miracle. Yeah, yeah. Say, for example, like the hoverboards from Back to the Future sort of yeah. thing. If you could have one of those, you think, oh, that's great. It's, oh, yeah, but it costs you 2,000 quid, and you've got to leave, pay like maintenance for it for like. Um, a, 150 quid a, w- a month. Yeah. We go, well, that's a bit pricey for an hoverboard. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a hoverboard. Yeah, we, and that's what we'd be like with everything. Yeah, Anything yeah. that's sort of like a revelation, human, which is quite a good thing actually, in a way that humans can take everything in the stride. Yeah, yeah. Anything that happens, I mean, like if aliens came down now and just walked yeah. among us, it'd knock our socks off for a fortnight. Yeah. And then it'd go on a page two of the headlines, exactly. and be, you know, and yeah. then there'd be somebody, somebody complaining, and there'd be somebody sort of like nasty headlines about the aliens, and everything yeah. go like that. And it'd be just, it, that's what would be the, we'd just, just be. straight back to normality about yeah. them, wouldn't they? That's yeah. it, you know, we, we, take, we take everything in our stride. And maybe that's what makes us amazing. Yeah. Humans yeah. and shit at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> As I say, back in day, he's just going up first man in England. He's, he's brave enough to strap a pig on for a bit of a joke. You think, yeah. And he's lived all that life, all them flights then he just started racing Belgian cars and knocking yeah. a golf club about it's ah, like, that's such no. a fucking dude that's the, ri- that's the rich life here, though, isn't it? You know? but yeah. if, you, if you're going to be rich right do something exciting yeah, but do it classy m- but maybe what we can do is maybe Lord Brabazon was the Elon Musk of his day no maybe. he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> he would call them Musk's Musk yeah. <laughs> he didn't make pigs fly yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, at least Bezos did take, take somebody into space. Yeah, he's alright, I like yeah, that, that's that dude. Right, I think it's time now we're going to have to... Put the duck on that dude, Wally Funk. <laughs> Cheeky guy. <laughs> anyway, it's time for us to shine the light back out where it needs to be now, oh, right? It needs true. to, needs to sort of... Like, yeah, safety for shipping and all that sort of stuff. Now, it just sort of like remains for me to say it's a big bye-bye from Matt. There's a bigger bye-bye from Benny. Take care, guys. Oh, boy. <laughs> There are three ways you may contact Kraken Cove. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com On Twitter at Kraken Cove Or Instagram at Kraken Cove Pod Ha ha!